0: Welcome everybody it is episode 11 of the fantasy alarm hockey podcast I am Andrew Dewhurst as always I am joined by my esteemed colleague Chris Murray how are you doing tonight Chris I'm doing well Andrew how are you oh not too bad uh my beloved Ottawa Senators at least at last check are giving your beloved uh Montreal Canadiens a run for the money tonight so I'll take that whenever I can
1: uh, it, I mean, it seems to always be the case in this team, you know? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, Ottawa deci- seems to have decided that uh, if they can't take a bus to their next game,
1: then they're just not showing up. Yeah. I'll give you this one, though. Um, Ottawa did end up winning in overtime. Um, I didn't watch the overtime here because we were just getting ready for this, but I'm excited to watch the overtime and see that Claude Julien put out, like, philip Deneau, paul byron and ben sherrod to start or something like that and then just go okay makes sense
0: yeah and i guess
1: it's important to remember too that like you get your best sleep when you cry yourself to sleep i mean it's honestly i think the much Canyon should just play vancouver 20 times a year and not play ottawa ever
0: yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm starting to feel that way too. I mean, I wish Ottawa only played Toronto and Montreal, and I'll live with like this the six-two like disgrace in exchange for the the six-five like overtime comebacks and the uh, the three-two overtime wins. Um, because you know I, I'm dead inside mostly, but um, you know it, it's all I got when when your team is far and away the worst in their own division. You only got a couple more years of it, don't worry. Uh yeah. I mean, probably another year or two, I guess. Yeah. Somewhere around there. So anyways, uh moving on to the slight to, to greener pastures. Uh an odd topic that I'm seeing circulate around the hockey world is is Austin Matthews better than Connor McDavid? Um I I, I mean well I'm, well, I'm open to debating this. I'm not sur- certain it's much of a debate, but is it worth debating? Like, is do people outside of Toronto actually believe that Austin Matthews
1: might be better than Connor McDavid? No, no. <laughs> I think, I think. Well, here's the thing. Okay, we're gonna have to close our DMs after this because, I mean, Toronto fans are gonna be in it, but. In my mind, like, Austin Matthews is, like, he's on a tear. He is scoring goals left, right, and center. He could easily yeah. score 50 goals this season, right? Because, I mean, let's face it, the North Division, nobody plays defense. It's kind of like watching just college kids run around. and It's basically watching the queue, right? There's, yeah. there, there's no defense to be played. Austin Matthews is a pure goal. Like, he's a goal scorer. He can definitely facilitate the puck. Um, playing with Mitch Marner, I, I think that pairing is... They complement each other, right? So yep. Marner can definitely set up Matthews for goals. And he was elite on Saturday against Montreal again. has shot themselves in the foot there by taking too many penalties and giving Matthews any type of space. But he definitely has an elite shot. He's going to score a whole bunch of goals. He's a top-tier player in the NHL. Fine. no doubt. No. Um, Connor McDavid is on a whole other level, though, right? Like... Let's sit it down for as of as of right now. Okay, so Sunday evening, right? Matthews has what, twenty nine points? McDavid has thirty seven of them. He is he's, he's got twelve goals, which is pretty good, right? But he's got twenty five assists as well. Like he's facilitating the puck around, well, and he, he just he makes everybody better on his line.
0: Yeah, right? I mean, and, and did you see the three goals he scored last night?
1: I did not, because I was already passed out crying, because my yeah. DFS lineup was, I mean, it just, <laughs> it was. Bad. I mean, I, here's well, here's the thing. I knew I had no McDavid. I saw Matthews go off. I was nowhere close to money. I was like, hey, man, let's call this an evening. I didn't even stay up to to watch like the second and third period of Colorado and Vegas at twelve <laughs> at night because the NHL discovered sun and the effects that it may have on ice. Oh. That's a whole other topic. But no, I. I I didn't see his goals, but I'm assuming they were good ones. They're
0: silly. Like they're they're classic like Connor McDavid goals where it's just like uh, there's uh, one of the goals stands out where like he comes out from behind the net, kind of like just stick handles the puck a little bit, and then just like oh there it is top corner, far side done. Like from within like I don't know six feet of the net. Like he's really close to that. Um, Like it was nothing. Um, I mean. I also didn't stay up till, what, probably like 2 a.m. to watch uh, Vegas and Colorado. Um, they did make me sweat that one out because, uh, I mean, I did bet on the under on wager alarm because I looked at the weather report. and was like, huh, looks like it's going to be sunny in Lake Tahoe. Well, ice is going to be terrible and the sun's going to make it hard to see. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of goals here. Only for my to my chagrin, I have to go and I'm checking the game through the day. And I'm like. Why isn't, why are they how are they still in the first intermission? It's six o'clock. This game started three hours ago. Oh, they they had to delay the game because it's too sunny and the ice is bad.
1: Weird. So I'm not sure how the. Shout out to the people out. making ice in Lake Tahoe <laughs> who just discovered physics. I mean, again, like a lot of people are saying, oh, everybody, you know, nobody was complaining about it, and that's fine. But like Darren Dreger tweeted it out, right? Darren Dreger does always his tweets about people who make you know, rings in their backyards, he makes a ring and stuff, and he mentioned it, and I'm like, okay, but, like, you're an ins. I want your information about speculative trades that may be happening or signings and whatnot, but if you know how to make ice, okay, and you're just doing it in your backyard, I'm hoping the people who do it for the NHL would know the same thing, or maybe just raise a flag and be like, hey, Gary, quick idea here, okay? Yeah. It's 12 o'clock, you know, in the February, somewhere where, you know, snow is kind of hard to come by. You think it might be a problem? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I do toss the question.
0: This, to me, feels like, I, I mean, I'm assuming the ice makers probably were like, hey, NHL, this isn't going to work. Like, there's nothing to block the sun here. Uh, if we don't get a cloudy day, the ice is going to be terrible and you're going to have to postpone this game. Uh, so you should be completely prepared for that And the was like, yeah, but, you know, look how beautiful it is here, right? Like, these are really picturesque backgrounds, guys. TV is going to be fantastic for this. We're a go. And that's the only reasonable expectation anyone could have as to why they even played one period. Because, I mean, when people are tweeting out like, Yeah, that's why I don't put lines on my on my rink in my backyard, because it always melts because the sun, it draws like the color draws the sun to the lines and then the lines start to melt faster. Like the people knew this, like the people that make the ice for the NHL are not like they're not dumb. They've done this millions of times. Right. So it's like PR, PR, PR. And oh, it didn't work. Weird. Oh. Well, I guess we thought the weather would be different, even knowing, like, me, semi-amateur-like person giving people advice on betting. I guess I'm a professional. Uh, giving people advice on betting is like, the ice is going to be terrible. The number of goals will be down. Take the under. And what do you know? Even with them playing the last two periods in, uh, in darkness and probably, like, really cold conditions, still, we went under five and a half. So... Uh, a win for those on wager alarm. Um, anyways, um, yeah, just, just found it interesting. I mean, like, there's no doubt, like Matthews is an elite goal scorer, like, uh, and no one should take that away from him. He's like six goals or something silly like that ahead of like the next highest goal scorer. He's six Brock goals ahead of Connor McDavid. Yeah. Right. So, right. And I mean, like that's kind of fair take nothing away from Brock Besser here who has 12 goals in 21 games. I mean, three in hand. Um, or, I mean, you know, Tyro, Tyler, Tyler who has seven less goals, but two games in hand on, on Matthews. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, like the eye test is what it is, right? Like, uh, and we talked about this probably way more than we should, but like you, no one has ever seen a player like Connor McDavid. Yeah. You know? Planet, Connor McDavid not, not is really. a
1: better skater. He sees the ice better. He makes everybody around him better. He's 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 too good for the NHL, which is absolutely yeah. like just mind-boggling that that's he, true. He is on a whole other planet. And the last, oh go ahead, Finish. No, I was gonna say like he's on a whole other planet. Mc... Matthews is not. He is elite in the NHL. He is exactly like I would say Leon Dreisaitl is elite for the NHL. Yeah. He is, which those two players in my mind are, you know, very comparable in their two ways. They do two different things. I, I think Leon Dreisaitl is a better playmaker than he is goal scorer. He can facilitate the puck around. I think as well, the same thing of Mitch Marner. It's no surprise that he has 21 assists because when you're playing with Matthews, just give the best player the puck and he, you know, something's going to happen there, but like McDavid is just like we, we we watch him skate. Like he's 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 too fast. He's too quick. Yeah. He and not burns NHL defensemen. He makes yeah. defensemen who are, you know, pretty good. I think Morgan Riley's pretty good. A good defenseman. <laughs> not elite. But I mean he he burns them. He goes through four players like there's nothing there. Like, you can't stop him. You just pray. And, I mean, again, he scored – he had five points against Calgary. Now, I I know Calgary's going through their things here. But, like, Jacob Markstrom's been pretty good this year. And he just – he torched him. He just torched him. It was one of those games where – you know, McDavid had two games before that where he only had, like, one assist. And you're like, okay, maybe he's coming back down to earth. And then he did that on Saturday. And you're like, okay, but, like, how? Yeah.
0: Well, and – The thing to remember about McDavid, it's not just that he's fast, right? Like, he is extremely fast. But he also handles the puck at that speed with, like, absolutely no issue. Right? right. Like, and that's what makes him special, right? Is that, like, he can go top speed and still handle the puck. Whereas, like, yeah, we're not talking, like, I'm just pushing the puck forward and I'm skating towards it. Like, he's handling the puck. Um, And, I mean the other thing to keep in mind with with Matthews again not to discount his performance he's got 18 goals in 18 games that in itself right is a is a feat but he's also on a little bit of a shooting bender right like he's scoring on 24% of his shots
1: i expect but, that to correct itself at some point right, right like like there was
0: one there was only one player last year that played uh, a f- more or less the full season and hit tw- and had 20% of their shots go in, and no one is guessing this player unless you unless you read my like unless my, you read my article earlier in the week and that's Alex Kalorn of all people. <laughs> Alex Kalorn scored yeah, a was 20% of the shot, and yeah, like that was over 20 goals last year and played like the maximum number of, like 68 games or something like that. Like that's like that's random. That's it. One player. Right. Elite players don't score at this rate. So like he is going to correct Uh, how far he's going to correct. Like that's probably a little bit different discussion right now. I mean, like Matthew shot 16.2% last year Uh, in 2017, 18, he shot 18%. So like he's going to come back
1: down probably six to 8% just based on the numbers. I don't even honestly, I don't even think it's that far. I don't even think, I could see him finishing with about 20% shooting, right? Because he gets to play Ottawa a lot, and he gets to play Vancouver a lot. So, I mean, I, I think his, if he continues to shoot pucks at the rate that he's shooting, I think he's just, like I said, this North Division plays no defense. So, right, it's no surprise that the top four point players in the NHL all come all from the, the, the North Division, division right? That yeah. there's just, there's no defense to be played here. Um, so even if he finishes with 20% shooting, which would be a career high for him, right? I mean, he's, he's still on pace, right? He would come close to 50 goals. I don't think he hits it at that point. But what like all this to say, for, for me, Connor McDavid is the best player in the NHL, and it's it's not close. I don't see any other player who has all the skill sets That McDavid has. Matthews has the shot. I think he has a better shot maybe than McDavid does. But McDavid does everything else at a much quicker, at a much higher level. And he's just... He is the most valuable player to his team. If you take Connor McDavid away from the Edmonton Oilers, Edmonton Oilers fall apart. They become nothing. No offense to Leon Dreisaitl, but he can't carry him. He can't carry this team the same way McDavid does. He can't. Whereas... If I look at the Toronto Maple Leafs who lose Austin Matthews, right, I still think they're a good team. They definitely don't score at the same pace. But I think, you know, Mitch Marner is a good player. Maybe William Nylander figures it out. John Tavares is still really, really slow. He's still trying to figure out, you know, I don't know, how to <laughs> put pucks in the goal five on five. But there's enough there's, there's enough pieces in Toronto to keep that yeah. wheel turning. And at Edmonton, there are no pieces, right? It's McDavid, yeah. Dreisaitl. I mean, again, no offense to Ryan yeah. Nugent Rank. Hopkins, but, I mean, Connor McDavid's going to get Ryan Nugent Hopkins an $8 million deal for the next eight years because he's playing on his on his left side. Like, yeah. that's that's just the way it is. McDavid is just so good at playing hockey. Um, yeah. I mean, the other
0: thing that stood out to me, looking at the... Uh, so, um, I updated the points rankings on fantasyoflander.com this week. Uh, So if you're playing season long, you want to check that out. Um, You know, really quick disclaimer. These are, you know, based on what's happened, not what will happen. Uh, Also, please check out the notes with it. I think that really has some really nice context as to, like, uh, I pointed out players who are shooting over 20%, players who are shooting under 10%, a couple players in the shooting under that are, like, really nice buy low candidates. If people are, like, trying to bail out on, like, guys like jack eichel who's shooting shooting something like four percent um i think nathan mckinnon was only shooting five percent um so i mean i don't think anyone's selling on mckinnon he's still got 18 points in 13 games but eichel i think there's some real potential there that people are getting a little scared at his draft price when they're like i took this guy in the top 10 that uh, was a mistake uh, never been on buffalo those, those are the rules um but uh, earlier in the week, so I mean I'm you know putting together the playbook, and Jonathan Huberdeau is at 5500 on DraftKings. I looked at it and I was like, that can't be right. There, there's no way he's at 5500. Jonathan Huberto is eighth in the league in scoring. He's got 22 points in 16 games, and that's not like a crazy number for him. I mean his shooting percentage is very inflated right now. It's that he's scoring on one third of his shots. Um, which, by the way, is only seven, so it kind of weighs itself back out. But uh, I'm looking at this and going, all right, Jonathan Huberto might be the best value in fantasy hockey, uh, at least in the DFS perspective, right? I mean, he had three straight multi-point games, a two-point game against, against Tampa, then a three-point game against Carolina, then another two-point game against Detroit. Um, the shots aren't always there, which makes him a little bit sketchy. But like uh, at 5,500, that's that's tough to beat on a, on a player that has been over a point per game for the last like three years now.
1: It's I mean it's DraftKings right, so sometimes things happen when they shouldn't. I will say this: you, you did touch on the fact that he has like he has 21 shots in 16 games, right? That's kind of that's, I mean, not kind of low. That's super low for him. So I think at some point his his shooting percentage is going to bounce out. Like, it has to, right? Like, yeah.
0: gravity. The is, out
1: there. Yeah. I mean, at some point it's going to come down. I also think the fact that he's not playing with Barkov five on five kind of maybe tempers people's expectation of it. But, like, Huberto is good enough to stand on his own two feet and do what he needs to do. And... The, you know, Barkov and Huberto play together on the top power play unit. And when things get tough in Florida, um, they're going to play together, right? They'll yeah. find their way magically. Gardner Hayes comes off that top line. Huberto slips in and, you know, things go back to normal here. So despite all the factors that are working against him, right? Like he only he's averaging only just, a, just above 16 minutes a game, right? Which is considerate like. That's that's low. No other player in the top. I mean, Nicholas Backstrom's playing close to 19 minutes. That's fine. There, Brock Besser's playing 1850. That's you know that's fine. That's that's what Those a are top should be getting. Yeah, yeah. Like top 10 players here. You know, let's not compare them to the McDavid's and the dry sidles of the world because they're not that. Same so, thing with Patrick Kane. These are right. Don't forget to me, centermen play a little bit more than winners, and just. A lot of these players play in all situations where I don't think I'm watching Huberto uh, kill penalties very often, right? But he's not taking a bunch of shots. He's not playing on the top line, and he's not seeing a bunch of minutes per se or at least two minutes less. So I can see how maybe, you know, your price tag kind of comes down a little bit, but... 5,500 is too low on draft games for a player who is still putting it. Like, he's putting up numbers. He's doing things. His points are coming at even strength as well. So he's not just a power play guy either. I mean, you're, you're not going to get the shot volume. That's fine. But I'll take the points, right? That's what fantasy yeah. hockey is about is getting points. So he's doing that. And right now, like you said, if he's scoring on one every three shots, well, I just need you to hit three shots and uh, guarantee that you're going to get a goal here. But I just I just don't know why he's so cheap,
0: yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I guess I should preface this that like I'm already a Huberto fan, like I, I'm a guy who's drafting Huberto in like the second round of drafts, like of twelve team leagues going like, yeah, this guy this guy's solid, he he's like he's consistently over a point per game, uh, maybe I could wait on this guy another round, but I just don't want to miss out on this, right like. Yeah, the shots are down, but again, like he's got 13 even strength points versus nine on the power play. Like, it's not so heavily weighted in one direction that you're just looking at this going like, how is this even possible? I mean, you do have players like Quinn Hughes who has 10 and 10. Anze kopitar has got 11 power play points but 10 10 even strength. Like, where you're looking at this going like, this just isn't sustainable. Nugent Hopkins has 11 and seven. Right, like, like they're definitely out there. Like. And when you consider like he's playing with uh, Alex Wenberg, who is more or less seems like I'm just going to hang out and play defense here, guys, you, you figure out what's happening on offense. And I'll be back here waiting to make sure that there's, there's no like uh, there's no breakaway. And Patrick Hornquist, who had, can barely skate like that's that's pretty solid production, like 1.38 points per game. Uh, And I mean, that metric is good for seventh in the league, tied with Nathan McKinnon. So, like, Hubertos for real. Um, If people, if you're playing in a league and people don't believe that, unless, of course, I mean, your league is using things like, you know, hits and block shots, where maybe it's, you know, a little less tangible, where you're like, yeah, you know, we got shots, hits, block shots, you know, the points are nice, but you're only filling like two, my cat. Like three in my categories, but uh, yeah, uh, a lot of fun to watch too. Like that spin, that spin backhand pass
1: uh, against Carolina was just silly. He's an he's an elite passer, that's for sure. Yeah, that's there, there's no, no question that he can facilitate the puck to his teammates. He can facilitate it around the ice. He can do whatever he wants with that puck. It he just he he commands it in a way that not many players in the NHL can do. And same thing. I'm a big Hubert fan. I think he's really, really good. I think he's played super well. He's he, he's only 27 too. Like he's in the prime of his career. He can still get probably a little bit better before he hits the other side of 30. But I I just I, it just it makes it hard at that point kind of building a lineup because you can't really fade him right. You can't really do that, and that's the right. same. That's the same process as well on super draft, right? I spent a lot of my time playing. He's a 1.7 multiplier most okay. nights. So I mean, playing on most nights. Yeah, you are Barkov's 1.75 most nights. He's 1.7. Well, I'm going to play both, or if I yeah. don't want to play Barkov, because I'm like, well, all right, well, I just, you know, I'll, I'll just take a one off here, then I'll play Uber. Yeah, he's chalk ownership because everybody's looking at him, going, well, he's going to pick up points. Yeah. Even if he doesn't take a lot of shots, you're not looking for shots on Super Draft. You're looking for points. You need players who score goals and rack up assists. Well, he does both. So, yeah, I not, mean, you know, why am I fading him? The only time you really care about shots is cash
0: games, at least in my opinion. Like, the only time I'm really yeah. caring about how much guys shoot is is because I'm like, well, I want a solid floor here. And in a cash game, I need the solid floor. In a GPP, like, I want all the upside. I don't care if you shoot one. If you're going to shoot twice in a game and you score on both, it's good with me. Like, if, if as long as you're not costing me, like 8,000 or like 8,100 bucks or something, 9,000,
1: that even at 5,500 bucks, even if he doesn't hit the shop bonus on the draft games, I don't care. You cost me 5,500 bucks. I'll right. spend up somewhere else. You know, I'll spend up, let's say, for Patrick Kane. If Patrick Kane's not hitting the shop bonus, then we have a different conversation to have, but. I'm not looking for Jonathan here, but I'm looking for him to, you know, pick up maybe two assists or something, maybe a power play point here and there. That's all I need from him. He's 5,500 bucks. He's going to hit value with two points. Done. Then I'll let yeah. my other superstars, you know, my elite superstars I have to pay up for, let them do the work. For sure. Yeah, I mean, like, you
0: think about tomorrow's slate, right? We've got... Uh, Dallas is at Florida. You got Tampa at, at Carolina. You've got Calgary at Toronto. You've got Vegas and Colorado playing again, which I think is a wash and probably a game I'd avoid. But you can, you will be able to tomorrow if that is how Huberto is still priced to easily take uh, Matthews. Uh, you could probably do Matthews point and Huberto without it without too much trouble
1: right or which you if, shouldn't if, be able to do right
0: <laughs> right like you shouldn't be able to get like three or I, and I mean even if you don't want to point let's say if you want to do Stamkos and spend down on your other like uh, center spot right like you'll be able to do that if that's what the pricing is right but as long as you, then there's enough games that you'll find value like you go and dig out some like Alex, I, f- uh, I follow. Uh, you go get yourself some Chandler Stevenson, who's going to be pretty, lo- who's typically pretty low priced. Uh, and the next player I, uh, I want to talk about here, Trevor Zegers, who's going to make his debut tomorrow for the Ducks. Um, you know, even even if you want to go down and look at Minnesota and San Jose, there's going to be value here, right? So the nice thing about the bigger slates is that like DraftKings and FanDuel have really like have the door wide open to like go get three or four top players go find value somewhere else and roll with it and that's i mean from my experience this year that is that's what you should be doing um so uh i mean as previously just noted here trevor zegers got called up today from from the ahl um i think he's going to be worth Worth a shot. He's going to probably be minimum price on DraftKings, probably Fanduel as well tomorrow. Um, do you think he's worth worth adding at all in uh, as as a spec uh, in in season long? I mean, we don't know what his deployment's going to be. Um, at least I don't think we know what his deployment's going to be. But I mean, the Ducks put uh, Adam Henrique on waivers. Which means they're definitely trying to move him because even if he gets claimed, they're gonna have to make a trade to move that. And the Ducks don't score goals right now, so like, there's no real reason not to give him, you know, top six ice time and probably some power play time. And I mean, I know we talked about Zegers early in the year before the season started. He got sent down. Uh, I drafted him in some leagues because I thought the upside was there. So like, right now, do you think he's worth an net? I
1: think if I'm in a deeper format, yes. I think in a shallower, like a 10, 12 team league, I, I wouldn't run out to get them per se. Just because, right, just because, and right, if you're dealing with the IR spot and you're trying to hoard players and, you know, you can't stash everybody on the IR due to COVID if your league's not set up. Like, I don't know if I really want to start, you know, dropping players for a speculative player who's going to be on a team who. Doesn't score goals like they gave up they scored one they played they played minnesota right twice they managed to score one goal in those games twice they played san jose right back on the monday early last yeah on the monday and they only scored two goals so clearly the anaheim ducks are not in the business of scoring goals and now you're taking a really young player who is capable of scoring goals but i mean I'm not expecting much out of him in the NHL, right? I I would much rather the Ducks give Maxime Courtois more ice time. That'd probably be a good idea for a player who is scoring goals, but we haven't seen that yet. So the idea yeah. here, here is is like he he should slot into the second line. That's what head coach Dallas Eakins said if he plays Monday, right? So we won't we don't know if he will. A <laughs> He also gets his matchup against Arizona. Arizona is, a, I would like to think, a good team defensively. I just... I don't know. I, I don't like the Ducks lines per se. They, they could easily figure <laughs> well, this out, and they've chosen not to. But I... There's nothing to love about them. So if you're in a deeper format, sure. What do you got to lose? If you can stash them and hold them, or if you need to add a player... Sure, go ahead with it. Yeah, I'll talk him up and I'll say, yeah, absolutely, Adam. Who knows what he'll, he'll give you. He's, he's going to give you more than, I mean, yeah. what Adam <laughs> Henrique was giving you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand what exactly it is Dallas Eakins is doing with these lines, right? Like, Maxime He's com- looking to get fired, which is perfectly yeah. fine with me. But well, he just got hired, so I don't see that happening. It's like, why is Maxime Comtois... And Ricard Raquel playing on the third line with Isaac
1: Lundstrom, right? Like it, it, it's fine if they want to play together on the third line, just but no like that's the Isaac Lundstrom. But like, what are you doing, man? But like, like, you, like and same thing, like, like what is Max Jones and Troy Terry giving you? Yeah, nothing. Like literally nothing.
0: There, there's there's oh. no reason for Comtois not to be on the top line. He should be playing 20 minutes a game right now. Yeah.
1: He's got seven goals this season on a team that can barely score goals. He's yeah. just now seeing top power play minutes. Like, roll this guy out. He's scoring goals. I played well, like, him earlier in the week in, in in DFS. He was dirt cheap. Scored a goal. Of course he he's, did.
0: <laughs> he's literally the guy I go to every time the Ducks play San Jose. Like, get go out and get to I mean, I I own him in a, in twelve team leagues that I have deep benches. I'm like, yep, uh, I'll, I'll play him. He scores goals. That that's valuable. Like, but like Ricardo Raquel is arguably, maybe not even arguably, supposed to be their best player. And he's on the third line with him. What are you doing? Like, may I haven't looked up the ice time. So like, bear with me on that one. Um, it's getting like, better
1: for Maxim Kontzal. I want to see him play. I mean, easily 18 minutes a night. Yeah. Right. He's playing 15, which is fine. That's you know, your second, third line kind of guys, but I want to see him playing 18, right? Like you're yeah. scoring goals. You're not getting the assist and that's fine. I'm not expecting that, but I want him to be playing with top players who are going to facilitate him the puck so that he can score goals, right? Because he's not taking enough shots. So to me, that says, well, he's not getting enough opportunities to take shots, right? So in some of the games where he plays 18 minutes, he's getting three, four shots on goal and right? the games that he's playing 15 sub, yeah, he's going with zero one-shot a game, which is not, again, it's not what I'm looking for. I want I want him to shoot the puck. I want him to shoot the puck a lot because he's not there to pass it very much. And even if he did, again, Isaac Lundstrom, not going to do much for me, and Ricardo Kell's trying to find his game. So just, I don't yeah. know, even if you play him on the second line with Sam Steele and Jakob Silverberg, which, would again, would be fine. Think Sam Steele's a very capable centerman. I think Silverberg is a very capable winger as well. And if all else fails, and you want to absolutely pair him with Ryan Getzlaf, sure, do it. I think Getzlaf's more of the, you know, he's getting a little bit older, which is fine. He can fall into one of those shutdown roles where he plays against the opponent's best players. That's fine. That's you know, that's Ryan Getzlaf territory at this point. But I I I want to see Kontzal playing more minutes and I think he's earned it and he's doing enough. He's averaging under 15 minutes per game on the season.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking at, at Anaheim's top power play and this is the first time that I've ever seen a top power play in it, not feature a single person on the, on the actual number one line.
1: We just saying something, right?
0: Right. Like how, like what are you doing? Like if, if you're going to tell me that like the best, the best three forwards on your team, or Max Jones, Ryan Getzlaff, and Troy Terry, why don't they get to play on the top power play? Is it because they're not actually your three best forwards? And it's like, they're a young team. Like, that's certainly fair here, right? Like, I, maybe Dallas is looking at this and going like, you know what, they're really young. We want Getzlaff to eat up a bunch of minutes. But I mean, like, Troy Terry and Max Jones aren't exactly like rugged veterans at this point in their career either. Like, so, yeah, I mean, I guess Zegers probably is a little bit of a tough sell on day one. I assume he's going to probably slot in on the fourth line with Nicholas Deloria and Carter Rowney, which is going to be terribly misplaced when, like, I would rather see him on the wing, probably with Sam Steele and Jacob Silverberg. Or, uh, I mean, if you really want to heat things up, put him in between Comtois and
1: Raquel. Uh, on Honestly, that's line, probably the best place to put him. I'd like to see him play center. He's a centerman. Uh, I'd like yeah. to see him play center. Um, but
0: yeah, like you gotta let him play. Like I, I can't imagine, like to say that you're calling him up, but you're not going to like eh, he might not play tomorrow. Seems kind no, of no. He's right? like, he's a hundred
1: percent playing. This is just part of the coaches <laughs> now not telling us anything that happens anymore in life, and yeah, us going, um, oh, okay, fine, sure. The. You know, that, uh, like just we, to put it into context, okay, Max Jones has one goal this season, Troy Terry's four points. So, yeah, that's all you need to know. There's, uh, there's no reason for it, but I would like can you imagine how exciting it would be to watch Contoise, Zegers, and Raquel play together, yeah, and like get to do it for 18 minutes a night. I mean. I, I would be okay if they were gonna do it 16 together. Like I, I'd settle for that, right? Like that's where I'd start my day and be like, okay, how about we just, you know, start with a small number and then work our way up. Yeah, I'll even put it this way: if that's
0: what they're going to do and they're willing to do that, I will even go ahead and watch an Anaheim Ducks game because I have not done that. And when I look at the i at the thought of watching Anaheim play Arizona, I think. Like, do I have to throw up my mouth because I think that's what's gonna happen if I gotta watch more than like?
1: The only time I watch the Ducks play is when I'm starting John Gibson because <laughs> I want to <laughs> see the miracle on ice that he's about to produce trying to get the win. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think if like. Wait, so you're telling me you didn't watch Minnesota Anaheim
0: yesterday? I, I did not. You know, okay. believe it or not, oh, I, I I let that one go. Oh, okay.
1: That sounds
0: fair it's okay i mean you can shame me for it i understand no no, no. i mean why would you watch it right like <laughs> let's be fair here yeah exactly uh i mean but shout out to all those ducks and wild fan who are or the real the real hardcore hockey fan who's like i gotta see every game so i mean good on you uh take a look ahead next week so um we talked about a little this a little bit before the show. Uh, but I found it actually found it really helpful Talking, looking at the teams that were scoring the most and the teams that were giving up the most games. Uh, really helped get me on to Carolina and Columbus early in the week. Uh, so I'm going to go through it again this week. Uh, six teams scoring the most goals right now. Toronto, Carolina, Florida, Edmonton, Pittsburgh, and L.A. Uh, any of these teams not fit here. Uh, what is
1: LA doing there? <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, they, other, been over mean,
0: the last seven days, first
1: right, Okay, so Toronto and Carolina makes sense. Florida gets to play Detroit, so that makes sense. Edmonton has McDavid and Drysidle, so that makes sense. I Pittsburgh is, I guess they're starting to find their game, but Pittsburgh has a good team, right? They're just they're just off to a really slow start. I feel like they're just not there. But man, the LA Kings. If you would have told me the LA Kings would have been a top, I don't know, scoring team in any week, I don't care, like, when in the season, if you told me that they would be a top team in scoring at any point, man, okay. Yeah,
0: but, uh, you know,
1: here we are. <laughs> That's so... it. Welcome, welcome to 2021. The LA Kings are a top scoring team for a <laughs> week. Okay.
0: Yeah, and while doing so, did not produce a top 10 score in that same week, which is also a thing to behold and also kind of speaks to like just how much some of these other teams scored. Right. Like Toronto has one two, like Matthews, Marner, Thornton, uh, Joe Thornton, Thornton. <laughs> solid DFS play, Joe Thornton and Morgan Riley, all in the top 20 oh, and Alex Kerfoot. <laughs> all four of those were in the top 20 for the week. Okay. Uh, I mean, Edmonton has McDavid, Hopkins, Nugent Hopkins, um, and that's it. Uh, and then uh, oft-forgotten Carolina with Brock McGinn, Taro Turvinen, Nino Niederreiter, Sebastian Aho, all coming in in the top 20 as well. So, like, you're seeing... I mean, one, Carolina's legit. People should pay way more attention to Carolina than they do. I get that people don't think that Carolina's like a hockey market, but it, it seems to really be. And that team could score with anybody. So, like,
1: when they're taking... They're a good team.
0: Yeah. Just when they're, in they, general. Yeah, when they're facing teams that can't keep the puck out of their net, you should be looking at Carolina.
1: Like, absolutely a team you should be looking at stacking. Apparently I should be looking at Carolina even against teams that can keep the puck out of there. <laughs> yeah, like they won, what, what was it, 4-1 against? It was four. No, they. they no, it was four nothing. Oh. Right, Nedeljkovic with the 4-0 shutout. I did not expect my Saturday to go like that.
0: That was uh, Nedeljkovic's first game in the NHL where he stopped more than 90% of the pucks. Think about that. And,
1: and of course. Against Tampa, I had a Tampa Bay, just one Tampa Bay skater, just yeah. one because I could only fit one. And I was like, Oh, god, I need more. Right? James Reimer's given up boats of goals, and the Delkovich can't stop the puck. Oh, my god, this is gonna be lit. And then, uh, yeah, three hours later, I was like, Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> that didn't go how I planned. Uh Florida's a little
0: bit of a surprise so like Cl- Florida's gone through like long periods so far this year of not putting up a lot of a lot of goals like th- maybe three or less a game. Uh but they've kind of turned the corner on that it seems. Might just be that they're getting a little more comfortable with each other.
1: Um I mean they also again the, the, they scored um what? Seven goals against Detroit. They scored four against yep. Carolina, which is good. They scored six against Tampa Bay, but Vasilevsky didn't start, right? Curtis McElhinney did, and yeah. apparently Curtis McElhinney's not as good uh, Weird. as Vasilevsky. So Is that true? Kind of, yeah, nope. they, it's not surprising, I guess, for me. <laughs> they were just in a track meet this week. They've, yeah. they've been there. They've given up goals as well because I think but I think, so, they, I think did Chris, uh, Chris Drager has been hanging out with Sergey Bobrovsky too much because now he's starting to be not good. Yeah, I'm just. going to have to look this up. I
0: feel like Florida did, though, also hang like five or six on Vasilevsky like a week or so prior to that.
1: Yeah, on the uh, on the Monday, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they, they tagged uh, Tampa Bay a little bit. I was surprised at that game, too, because I didn't have that game being a very high-scoring game, and then, well, that happened. That's the one where uh, Tyler Johnson had a whole bunch of goals, and I was like, cool. Oh yeah, that was the six one game. I'm thinking of the five
0: two game that was like right, was two days before that one, where it's like, oh yeah, Florida scored five. I didn't expect this because they like they just get done. You know, they lose to Detroit two days prior where they score one goal. They scored two goals against Detroit two nights before that, and only two against Trashville, like f- six days before that. By they way, go through phases, I, mean. I guess. Yeah. Right.
1: Which is it, which is very Florida, by the way. You're just going through phases of being really good and then really bad. And then losing again
0: to Detroit for the second time in less in like a little more than a week. But again,
1: who started that
0: game? Um, I think that one was Bobrovsky because it they is. had played Dreyer the night before. But still, you didn't score more than two goals against Detroit. That's like, you can't really, like, I mean, we're all on the same page at this point in time with what Bobrovsky is or isn't. Uh, but I mean, Bobrovsky stopped 25 of 27. That's not a terrible performance. Uh, Bernier stopped 30 of. Uh,
1: yeah. Thursday still has a 7% percentage and a 5 2 1 record this season. so.
0: No doubt. But,
1: I mean, like, hats
0: off to Jonathan Bernier. You stopped 38 of 39 shots and won that game for your team. Okay.
1: But Standing on his head. Something Sergei yeah. Borowski has not done
0: in two years. <laughs> uh, it's all that Florida sun, I assume. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, and then Pittsburgh, maybe they're going to figure things out. Maybe it's just, like, maybe they just needed Brian Burke to come down to the, the room and babble incoherently. And people... Um to to really turn things around, you know, that seems legit to me. Uh and then looking at the teams that have given up the most goals. Montreal, what? What are you doing here? You have the most goals last week on a per game average? Tampa Bay? We talked about that a little bit. Ottawa, Calgary, Anaheim, Columbus. Like coming into this season, if I told you that Montreal, Tampa, Columbus, and Calgary would be among the teams that gave up the most goals. In, in any given week. I wouldn't have believed that, right? Like Price, like Jake Allen, from a number standpoint, has played better than Price so far this year. Uh, you could probably give me much more commentary on who's actually played better, but I feel
1: like Jake Allen's more or less... No, played. it's it's Jake Allen. That's 100% for sure. He was really good tonight again as well, um, despite Montreal again losing to Ottawa. Uh,
0: but... It-
1: yeah, I mean Tampa Bay gets fit in here because
0: I mean, Curtis McElhaney is still Curtis McElhaney. and he, he I mean, if Fasco FC's not playing, he's you know, you're going they're probably gonna give up some goals. Uh and Calgary spent a boatload of money on Jacob Markstrom. Columbus last year, at least in the playoffs, like Corpusalo and Merce Leakins look like uh, I don't even have a comparison off the man, they look great. It was like, wow, you guys are stopping like 50 shots a night. Whichever one of you can stay healthy, but this year it's just been the total opposite. Like Columbus is just like, you know, can we just get, uh, can we get our coach out already, please? Like this isn't how we're supposed to play. We're playing the opposite style.
1: Specifically, uh,
0: Corvasalo. Corpus Salo Corpus has not been
1: good. Yeah, not since like the f- first he since, is, think, of the season. He's been like a tra- he's been a train wreck. <laughs> just yeah. He has of the games that he's played this season, right? He's he's played what almost like nine, I think. He's only had two games where he's given up two or fewer two or fewer goals. If not, he's given up five, three, six, five, three, and five. And then he got uh no, he came in against Nashville because uh, Marzlicans had to leave. He he got her and he stopped all six of them shots. So we'll just disregard that game because he only saw like. A couple of shots here in the second period but corpus allen's been really really bad so i'm not surprised to see columbus on that list uh has been playing just absolutely putrid uh defensively they don't look like the same team that we saw early in the year like i feel like at the beginning of the year they just felt like they couldn't lose they just felt like they were they were just playing inspired hockey they were going out they were skating you know they're forechecking they're playing hard all three lines are rolling and now you just watch them play and they kind of look like they don't like they're afraid to lose. They're not going out there and challenging the team's best players. They're not playing well defensively as a team, and they're shooting themselves in the foot, right? They yeah. take too many penalties, right? They took too many against Toronto, and then they scored goals. Well, what did you think was going to happen when you give the, your post like other teams have their five best players on the ice? So if I'm taking penalties against Toronto and then I have to deal with Mitch Marner and I have to deal with Austin Matthews and John Tavares and Willie Nylander, or actually they put Joe Thorne on there instead, and Morgan Rielly. Like, that's that's a lot to have to deal with for two minutes, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to deal with that. And you shouldn't give your opponent, with those types of players, too much time to do that. Like, it's, it's going to happen. They're going to score goals. Montreal's penalty kill has not been uh, that great of late, so... Again, not shocked to see Montreal here. Anaheim, kind of a little bit surprising. I think John Gibson. Uh, I mean, I think it'd be nice if someone can take some of the load off his back. But Ryan Miller's his backup, and that team can't score goals. So, not really surprised there either. There's Calgary. I guess I'm not not that I'm shocked to see their Calgary's just played terribly. They they are not a good hockey team. They're falling apart completely here they're fifth in their division uh, I mean they have the same amount of points as Vancouver they have three games at hand but like they're that they, they've played one more game than Winnipeg and they're three points behind the top four teams in that division right all have uh, positive goal differentials Calgary does not they're four and six in their last 10 games they're just there's just not much going on
0: yeah, I mean, looking at these teams, right? So, like, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit to Thursday because I think almost all of these teams are in play. So you got uh, Carolina at at Tampa. That's a hard pass for me. I don't think Tampa's on a back-to-back, so I think you see Vasilevsky. I think Vasilevsky's gonna bounce back. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play. I'm not gonna look to Carolina probably in this game. I'm gonna avoid it. But like, I look at. Chicago playing at Columbus, and I think you've got a, like a little bit of space here to go. You know, maybe I want to look at at a Patrick Kane and whomever is centering that line. Uh, DeBrincat's priced too high at this point, I think, to to get them both in. Um, but I think that's that's something like low key to look at because we also have uh, Vegas at San Jose. And we also have Edmonton at Vancouver. So I mean on this slate, given uh, you know oh and earlier in the night you do have Boston at the Islanders I would probably not be looking at Pasternak here probably avoid Boston one in in Long Island or Brooklyn, whichever one it might be um but it's like well, I think all the money's gonna sit in Edmonton. I think you're going to see massive ownership on McDavid because Vancouver's not good. They give up goals, give up a lot of shots. It's going to that catches up with them. Um, and you know, do I like Calgarys at Ottawa, but I don't think Ottawa is going to score like I don't think that's a game that Ottawa is going to score four or five games. And if they did, they're scoring too erratic for you to bet on it anyways. And then you have Pittsburgh and Washington. If I'm looking at this, I'm going like, well, one, get me some of that, that sweet, sweet patch love. Probably going to put that with Chandler Stevenson because they they even themselves out and you end up with like two players for about an average of like 5,500 to 6,000. And I think you're going to have room to play that low key Chicago matchup while all the money floods itself to Edmonton. And I mean, certainly you probably want to run out a lineup with McDavid, Drysidle, or McDavid and Nugent Hopkins. Uh, maybe it's McDavid and Puljuhavi, whatever your preference might be there. Um, but if you're gonna kind of hedge your bets on that and avoid Edmonton, that's not a bad place to look. Cause, I mean, the other team I've really been trying to like try to take advantage of is Trashville. Uh, but they're playing Detroit. Detroit doesn't know how to score goals, like more
1: than two in a game, so. Uh, what do you think about that? I mean, Nashville's a pretty terrible team, so we can just disregard them and their existence uh, most of it. On, going back to Chicago, uh, I don't know if anybody would have seen this coming. Chicago was third in the Discover Division. They are seven two and one in their last ten. Okay, Carolina is also seven two and one in their last ten. Tampa Bay is seven and three. So. Like, I don't know what's going on with Chicago, but as of right now, they look like a really, really good hockey team. And they are. They're a good hockey team. They're well coached. This is a team that's doing something. And despite all their injuries, they're being com- competitive. And I think a, a large part of that has to do with Kevin Lankinen, who I think can easily win rookie of the year this year if he continues on the pace that he's on. But I think we no longer can just look at Chicago and say, oh, stack against them. Because that's just not the case, right? Yeah. I, I mean, maybe when Malcolm Subban takes the ice, because that's no. probably fair.
0: No, Malcolm Subban is playing every bit as good as Kevin Lankin in it
1: over the last month. I, I, I mean, I'm not buying Malcolm Subban. I think he's. I mean, maybe he's being a fraud right now, but at some point he's going to come back down to earth and start giving up a whole bunch of goals. So I'll continue to find that opportunity to stack against him because it's from Subban. Why not? Um, but definitely for Chicago, I think any type of combination of Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrincat makes sense. If you could fit them in, right, you should. Right. If not, it's I think Pierre S- S- Suter's on the top line now, so you plug in I guess either Kane and him um, and then a defenseman if it's whoever's getting that rotation on that top power play unit they kind of go into that spot and that's it uh, you kind of roll that out and again you touched a bit a little bit about it with Edmonton right in Vancouver Vancouver has given up 74 goals this season um, so <laughs> I mean they that, that's a lot of goals for them they are a little bit better at home, I guess. They're five and one. They're three and eight on the road. <laughs> that like they're they're not good. Ottawa's yeah. three and nine, so they're on pace with Ottawa here to not be able to figure anything out. And I mean, the, the Edmonton Oilers are like they're 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 winning games, right? Mike Smith has come alive here of late. He's been somewhat good, which is shocking and yeah, worrisome, but. He's he's doing enough and Edmonton is just going to score their way into the playoffs. That's what they're going to do. They're just going to score goals and score as many as humanly possible and just drag themselves into a playoff spot, which is which is fine. That's that's the way Edmonton got there last season. And that's probably the way they're going to get there next season. So, yeah, I mean, looking at
0: goalies over the last two weeks, right, Uh, Malcolm Subban. Among players that have played more than two games, is has a he has a 950 save percentage over the last two weeks.
1: Okay.
0: I mean, it's a, again, it's only two games. Mike Smith, a 940 save percentage in
1: five games. Like Bubbles is back. Uh,
0: if I had to pick between
1: Malcolm Subban and Mike Smith, I, like, As much remember. as both are terrible, I'm taking Mike Smith. Yeah, for well, yeah, for sure. Like I'll I mean, give. Young, you- Here's the thing with Malcolm Subban, right? Those two starts, one of them one of them was on seventh February, the other one's on the fifteenth. So he's played uh, two games this month. Okay, yeah, um, one of them came against Detroit as well. Yeah. So we're just gonna discredit that altogether because Detroit doesn't score goals. His other one came in a two one win against Dallas, right? And Dallas is kind of the like two things happen with Dallas: either Joe Pavelski has a four point night, or like they finish with twelve shots on goal. Like, there's, there's no in-between for Dallas. Either they're really, really good or really, really miserable. There is no gray zone with them, right? You just got to yeah. figure out, you know, when you're playing them, you know, what Dallas star team are we going to see tonight on the ice? Are we going to see the team that can barely muster any offense, or are we going to see the team that's just going to run around, you know, shooting pucks, popping goals and everything? So, yeah. again, I'm not trusting Malcolm Subban and whatever record he's got going on right now. He's he's existing. I I just don't think he's... I just don't think he's that good. I'll tell you who else is, is starting to play well.
0: Tristan Jari. There we go. 9.36 save percentage over four games in the last two weeks. That is what we were looking for much,
1: much earlier in the season. We are looking for that. He's slowly getting his numbers back um, to where they need to be, so that makes me... Uh, feel a little bit better. My fantasy team is still trying to claw itself out of the disgust that it's in right now. Uh, I'll tell you one player is not getting any better, though, is Carter Hart, right? He got, you know, Boston ended up winning that game 7-3 tonight outdoors, so shout-out to Boston. Uh, Carter Hart gave up six goals. He lost. He had a pretty good game against the Rangers uh, a couple nights earlier, so... Which was nice. He still lost, but at least his, you know, it wasn't his fault. Yep. And then all those games were postponed, you know, because COVID exists. And then he got a seven-four win against Washington back on February seven, where he still gave up set, uh, four goals. Right? He faced a ton of shots. So I, I, I guess I'll kind of let it slip a little bit there. But it's, just, it's just not going well for Carter Hart right now. Yeah, and I mean. To, but shout I out mean, to Tristan Jerry, who's doing better, though. So I'm yeah. getting there.
0: I mean, to be fair to Carter Hart, at, at least in reference to tonight, like the Flyers were without, I think, s- at least six regulars.
1: Yeah, um, Flyers had nobody in
0: the lineup. I mean, Philly struggles against Boston with a
1: full lineup. So, like, you know, that Look, one was. When you have Nicholas Obey Kubel in your top six, like things are things are not going well. <laughs> Things yeah. are not going well. James Van Reeves, like, who usually finds his spot on the third line, right? Um which is fine. That that's a good spot for him to be in as well. Like not that's like he was thriving in that position and whatnot. Uh he's on the top line, right? So M- Michael raffles found his way up there. Their top six, right, is with all those players out, looks very, very different. And and people have heard me say this. I I think the Flyers have the best top nine when healthy in the NHL and it's not even close. They're one of the most complete teams in hockey, but with so many players missing this, like this team looks like a fraction of itself and they were that tonight. They were a fraction of it. Yeah.
0: And and, I mean, playing Boston, like Boston's going to do this to some teams on like decent teams. Philadelphia is better than this. They're going to be better than this. Uh, but yeah, it's it's tough sledding right now. Um, and I mean, again, to to be somewhat fair here, Hart, Hart, Hart's still a solid goalie. No one should be looking at a Carter Hart today, going like, I need I need to bail out from this guy. You just might want to look at like
1: just. Wait for better matchups, right? Like and wait if there for- is an owner who wants to do that, you need to you need to find <laughs> him and say, Yeah, sure, I'll take him. What <laughs> what what quarter do you want for your dollar here, sir? Please tell me. Oh, do, do you want this quarter? This one is shiny, right? This one is, is 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 freshly minted. Do you want one that's got a little bit of color in it? Whatever they want, whatever they want for their dollar. If they want a quarter and a nickel, give it to them. Here, there's a quarter yeah. and a nickel. Give me your give me your dollar. Yeah, I mean I can just imagine some
0: some poor person out there who is like Yeah, I'll take your Mike Smith and uh some other like third line player for Carter Hart. Absolutely. Look how good
1: Mike Smith is. I can't wait. I can't wait. If someone if someone has a trade with Mike Smith going one way or the other, like I I wanna see that.
0: <laughs> so uh anyways, we should wrap this thing up uh i can only imagine how much hate mail i'm gonna get from john tomorrow uh with, when these things run late so uh anything else you want to add for tonight chris
1: oh my goalies are voodoo just remember that
0: yeah never forget that um all right on that note uh have a great week everybody and you can find us in the chat